listening to the Dr. Claude Kirshner Show. My name is Dr. Claude Kirshner, and we are here to serve organizational leaders and agile teams who strive for excellence and differentiation. I hope you enjoy the content. If you have any questions or would like some additional resources, please visit our website at www.archconsults.com. Enjoy. Today, we're going to talk about the industry, and the industry has a lot of different ways to be defined, is it's really the macroeconomic aspect of the company. The company fits within the industry, and the industry has a lot of players, including suppliers, competition, and then, of course, you have your customers. There's a lot of different dynamics, and one of the things about the industry that is most interesting is the fact that a lot of it sometimes is outside of your control. And what's fun about being in this process of analyzing industries and doing the research is prior to starting a business or prior to launching a business or prior to getting into this industry in a more committed standpoint, we have the opportunity to do our research uh, for a couple of reasons. One, our research could lead to saying, hey, let's choose a different industry. Or our research could say, hey, when we choose this industry, let's be prepared for these particular things. And then also when we choose this industry, let's target this particular area because I can see that it's either underserved or there's certain trends that are going on in this space. The industry analysis is really a process that we're going to go about of doing this research. And it's so important to do this research. This is really an area where you have a lot of different tools at your disposal and it is a fun learning environment. It's a fun learning process where we can look at multiple different things and try to absorb as much information as possible. Uh, where we have to be careful is sometimes we can get caught up in the slew of information that's out there that isn't necessarily important for us or will trigger us in the wrong direction to potentially not launch or create fear. Uh, the truth is you just want enough to be saturated that you truly understand and can have a conversation about the particular industry that you're in. Um, so an industry analysis is a market assessment tool designed to provide a business with an idea of the complexity of a particular industry. There's four kind of general sections to it. There's an industry introduction. Uh, this is the, the size of the industry. This is the reality of the industry. This is the, the code. Uh, for instance, the pet grooming industry or the food service industry or the restaurant industry, the pool service industry, the um, the home construction, the single family home construction industry. And a lot of times that will, will elicit an understanding from the audience or whomever you're talking to about what your business is and the, the segment that the business is serving or located within. Then, of course, you have your industry economic profile. Uh, how big is this industry? Uh, how many revenues are part of this industry? Where, uh, how many competitors? Is it, um, is it saturated? Is it, are there too many competitors in this industry or is it uh, fragmented? or is it fairly consolidated? These are just some, some things to talk about in that section. The historical industry cycles would be uh, like, for instance, certain, I think of snow removal as one. If you're looking into the snow removal industry, likely there's a cycle of revenues being generated during a particular time of year of which it is snowing. So there's clear cycles to certain industries. You think about the, like the Christmas tree industry, Obviously, you're not going to get a lot of sales in the summertime. You're going to get a lot of sales in December. 
<clears throat> so we have to understand those trends. And that's just important for budgeting purposes, for building our financial statements is when we can incorporate some of those trends that we learned in the industry analysis, it's easier for us to uh, realize uh, what's going to happen in the financials. So then we move on to the industry economic forecast. The industry economic forecast, like we, we just discussed, really kind of looks at the potential of um, being creatively good in this industry. How can we budget for that? Okay, so assessing the industry, seven steps, define the relevant industry, estimate market size and potential, understand buyer descriptors, examine buyer behavior, segment the industry, prioritize whom you are going to target, assess the competition, where is the industry going in the future, easy to get caught up in the information as we discussed. I'm just going to briefly show you what I received when my father and I were in the process of working with partners to potentially uh, purchase our organization. We were sent this quick snapshot of what they put together as their understanding of the industry and why it's important that we consider partnering with them so that we can take advantage of some of these trends. Quickly read some of these trends. It says consumers are increasingly outsourcing traditional home services. Remember, we were in the pool industry, demonstrating a behavior shift from do it yourself to do it for me, meaning a lot of people are choosing not to participate in some of their household chores and they'd rather outsource that to hire somebody to do that. Demographic shifts have led to a suburban renaissance and a focus on livable outdoor space. Pool ownership is at a record high. Millennial home ownership is skyrocketing and, and represent loyal reoccurring customer bases. This is information that they pulled and understood these trends from doing their own industry analysis to say, hey, there's something brewing here that we believe in the future. These trends are speaking to possibility and potential. The pool service and maintenance field is highly fragmented. And fragmented means there's a lot of competitors. There's a lot of people doing the same thing in the space and there's no real big player. So there's opportunity for economies of scale when an industry is fragmented, providing tremendous potential for growth through consolidation. Due to COVID-19 reversal of urbanization and the increasing demand for enjoyable outdoor living space, sizable budgets are being allocated for outdoor living spaces. This is just another reiteration of there is more money being put into this area and more potential because of the money being put into this area to do good things in business. Some of the other things that they, they showed were the outdoor living uh, outlook. They, they talked about Zillow and how pool was Zillow's most searched keyword in 2020. That tells you something that 45% of homeowners willing to spend more than $10,000 on outdoor living projects, that 70% average increase in pool remodel budget since 2008. Millennials rank outdoor living important or very important. They probably took some information from a survey and saw that uh, millennials are, are very interested in, in operating outside or being outside. And that obviously shows some future trends here. Homeowners believe outdoor living is more valuable than ever. So as you can see, they did their industry analysis prior to making acquisitions within this space, and they could tell that there was something happening here. And I think from that industry analysis, they said, okay, let's put together a business plan uh, for these acquisitions. And that's step one is understanding that industry, understanding those trends. So that's why this talk today is very important. You can see an example of some of that being done here. So sources of innovative ideas. There's a book by Malcolm Gladwell called The Tipping Point. And this just 
when you read these industry reports, which you have access through the library, there's a lot of different ways in which you can find these industry reports. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, be open-minded. We talked a lot last time about opportunity recognition and opportunity recognition through this industry analysis process is more important than ever. And this is where we wanna see something that maybe other people don't see. And these are just some sources of innovative ideas, unexpected occurrences, unexpected success, Apple computer, micro, micro computers. This was a, a trend that people are using smaller computers. An unexpected tragedy of 9-11 terrorist attack, I think was a, uh, a catalyst for some people to change the way they live. Incongruencies, incongruities, uh, overnight package delivery became something within the industry that changed a lot of things. Uh, process needs, sugar-free products, uh, caffeine-free coffee, microwave ovens, industry and market changes, healthcare industry changing to home healthcare, certainly different demographic changes, retirement communities for older people. There's a, we talked a little bit about this growth in the demographic of the aging population and that there will be a large institutional base of caring for people that are above the age of 65 because of just the sheer population of that group of people so different than it was about a year ago. Perpetual changes, exercise, aerobics, and a growing concern for fitness, knowledge-based concepts, mobile smartphones, technology, pharmaceutical industries, robotics, just some things, some innovative realities and some examples that you'll be able to find as you start studying these industries. And of course, they apply to a multitude of different industries. Technology can be applicable to a slew of different industries where technology wasn't typically present. Okay, so we want to define the relevant industry. And this is where objectivity is important. We look up something called the standard industry code, which is the SIC code or the NAIC code. And these are just two uh, worldwide uh, known ways in which we categorize these industries. And if you Google search um, pet food industry, uh, you'll see the SIC code that goes along with it. On the next slide, you'll see that uh, for instance, construction is one general industry, but it can be broken down into a multitude of different industries. As the SIC or the NAIC code expands, you'll get more specific and you want to get as granular and as specific as possible. Trade associations are a big resource for industry information. So if the industry has a trade association, look it up, go to the website, request some materials from them, I'll possibly sign up if it's free to start receiving some newsletters or whatever it is associated with that industry, because they tend to do a lot of this work for us in understanding the industry and they interview different uh, big players within the industry to get more context into the, the field of what's actually happening. So for some of the resources online, um, I know IBIS World Report is a great one. Uh, Market Line Intelligence Center is a great one. Hoover's is another good one. Dun & Bradstreet is another great resource that you can use. Uh, so we want to establish these parameters. For instance, an industry that typically focuses on business to consumers, which is what we did as a, a pool service provider. We were the intermediaries between the vendors, the providers of suppliers and providers of pool products. And then we were the one, we would purchase from them. And then we were the ones who would deliver directly to the consumer. Um, of course, there's other industries. Uh, for instance, you know, we'll say um, horse feed. Uh, typically horse feed Big manufacturers of horse feed typically sell directly to distributors. They sell to the people that are going to be able to house this product in quantities 
and then they can sell to individual customers. So that's mostly a B2B, you're farming horse feed or you're creating horse feed and you're selling to a business who then distributes it. So we have to be very aware of our industry, whether it's a business to business or business to consumer industry. Uh, the geographic, is it typically serving men, women, what age are they? I'll never forget a story about a friend of mine that said um, he was getting into this video game industry and he realized that the typical customer in the video game industry was a 16 year old boy. And he also realized that he doesn't get along well with 16 year old boys. He just doesn't understand them as well. He doesn't really enjoy their attitude and their presence, whatever that looks like. And the reality is he, he chose a different industry because he realized that yes, he loves video games and yes, he's very good at these kinds of software development, but he knew who his uh, geographic and demographic customer base was from doing some of his research and from really understanding this and saying, hey, I just don't want to spend a lot of my time with 16-year-old boys and I'm going to choose something different. So um, the economic power of the industry, um, what is their household income? Where are they, uh, where are they employed mainly? Um, what is the, the purchasing power of the customers uh, within this industry? The gender we talked about, be specific in outlining where the bulk 90% of the customers come from. And if you remember the industry report that I showed you for the pool industry, it talked about the bulk of these customers are uh, typically people who are purchasing new homes, who are um, Googling stuff on Zillow about pools, who are not the do-it-yourself customers. It kind of narrows down um, who we're going after uh, right away within the industry understanding. I don't know how well you can see this, probably not that well at all, but uh, this is a... This is a table of examples of NAICS industry codes, and this talks about construction. And as you can see, it breaks construction down pretty granularly into non-residential building construction, commercial installation, building construction, new single family homes. And this just gives you an idea of when you start looking up these SIC or NAIC codes, uh, the information and the spe specificity that you're going to find. So this is a great slide to, um, and I'll break it down for you to really understand the dynamics of the industry. If you look in the yellow first, you're looking at the restaurant industry and you're looking at their really internal operations. These are the expenses, sort of the overhead expenses that are relevant within this industry. You've got investors, consulting professionals, management staff. Those are your indirect expenses. On the top line, the blue are really your direct expenses. These are your vendors. These are your cost of supplies, cost of materials. These are people you're writing checks to uh, to, in, in order just to operate within this industry. And this is, the blue is typically what most of your competitors also have to do as well and somewhat uncontrollable. So it's good to know those off the bat. And the yellow, a little bit more controllable, probably different from your competitors, but still something to understand, okay, do I need these kinds of talented people? Do I need uh, a CFO or can I just have a controller? Or you know, what does that internal operations typically look like or what will I need in order to be successful in this space? And then the green on the bottom, these are your customers. These are the revenue sources for this particular industry. So when you do, when you map out this industry, it's really important that you understand who are the people we're writing checks to, um, who are, those are your direct costs, who are your indirect costs, which would be the people that, that you need in order to, to function within this space, the, the business dynamic. And then of course, the green is who are my revenue sources and what does that look like? So we talked a little bit about this already. Uh, sources of demand. Primary demand is really the whole industry. Uh, we want to talk about it. Say who, how much is in this industry? I'll show you a, a quick example of an industry report. Again, for the pool industry, that this is IBIS World Report. Uh, it shows key statistics. It says $7.8 billion in revenue. 
is is what this industry establishes. This is the pool cleaning service industry, and then talks about the profit is eight hundred and seventy one. Uh, 0.9 million in annual profits. They have profit margin averages roughly 11%, and there's 74,610 businesses. And I believe this is just in the United States. And these are key figures to really understand. If the profit margin was 2%, it might be a different business model for you in this industry. If the profit margin was 30%, it might be different. So this gives you a good benchmark of what the competitors are doing. And these are key statistics that we want to be able to use in our industry analysis. So we have the two sources of demand, which are uh, primary and selective. And primary is the whole market. Selective is, is okay. That's the whole market. Now, who are we going after? Are we going to try to get customers from our competitors? Are we going to create a unique niche here and go after customers that haven't been served by other players in this industry? Um, and then also, how are we going to retain our existing customers? Or if our business model is about we already have existing customers, we want to step into a different space to provide them with a different type of need. Uh, for instance, if you're in the the gym, the fitness space, and you own gym, and you have people coming in to lift weights, uh, which is really the physical fitness industry, and then you want to get into nutrition, it's probably, you can go after your existing customers, but it's probably a different industry, and it probably takes some different skills and some understanding in order to operate in that space. Okay, so the elements affecting new venture performance. As you can see, a very simple slide. The entrepreneur's characteristics, we talk about funding processes, initial firm characteristics, performance, and how the environment affects. And the environment really is a lot to do with the industry. Uh, the funding processes, the initial firm characteristics, and the performance, you're just not going to get a 40% profit margin in the pool industry. No matter how good you are, it's likely not going to happen. So the environment, the competition, the uh, the dynamics within that industry just really don't tend to happen that way. Remember, the macroeconomic is all about supply and demand. If I can go to somebody and pay $200 for my pool service uh, versus $300 a month for my pool service, but they deliver equivalent, very similar services, obviously I'm going to pay less because there's a supply there um, and the supply demand just doesn't, it doesn't get me to pay more. There's no reason to. So, these are just some dynamics that affect uh, what would say the elements affecting new venture performance. And obviously there's a lot more, but you can see how the environment touches a lot of these. Pitfalls in selecting new ventures, lack of objective evaluation. We talked about when we look at this industry, we really have to look at it from a, is there an opportunity here? We may think so, yes. But then when we look at the objectivity, the size of the industry, the profit margins, what it would take to get started, how much money it takes to pay some of the vendors for this product, we may realize that there's there's not as much of an opportunity here as we had originally thought about. We might need to pivot or we might need to do something completely different. No real insight into the market. How, how do the consumers operate? How do they think? What do they want? Uh, inadequate understanding of technical requirements. This is These are all things that you can gather and understand when you do this industry research. Uh, poor financial understanding, another indication of looking at trends, looking at revenues, looking at profit margins within a particular industry, and understanding how they work and what's needed to operate in that space. Lack of venture uniqueness. You may see when you do the industry report that there are so many car washes that specialize in tire shines, and it is just virtually impossible to become unique in this space. But if I was a car wash and I and I focused on uh, windshield wiper effectiveness every single time a customer came in, I uh, offered to replace their windshield wipers or do a windshield wiper diagnostic. I'm just making this up. It might create a niche within that space, which nobody else is doing. And that's that's a um, more of an opportunity. 
because it's it's more unique. Ignorance of legal issues, there could be, for instance, we have this um, homeowners association here and the homeowners association, you think that their job is to take care of the facilities, but really a lot of times their job is just to mitigate potential lawsuits. So when we get into a particular space in a particular industry, for instance, my friend, the example of this 16 year old boys, you have to kind of understand where, where, what's, what are you going to spend the most time on doing? And that's so important to understand that and not be ignorant of that prior to getting into the business. And a lot of times you can learn that from talking to people that are currently in the space and nothing um, trumps experience with the industry. When you have experience in an industry, a lot of these things you just know because of, of working within the industry. Uh, so we want to just be able to get to that point where we, we just sort of know it. Estimate industry potential and invent your own methodology. So we say, okay, there's a uh, hundred thousand people that are attending uh, public schools in the uh, in the smaller Pinecrest, Palmetto Bay area. And we want to sell uh, backpacks. And out of that 100,000, we're really only estimating that these are going to be sold to boys. So we're thinking that's about 60,000. So that narrows it down. And we say of those 60,000, only about 40% of them um, can afford it. So it takes it down even further. And of that 40% of the 60,000, we believe that we're going to capture 10% uh, of that market. So when you start narrowing it down and you start thinking, okay, well, how many backpacks are we going to sell? And if everybody has one of these backpacks and they really only need a backpack once every three years, what is the, the actual size here? So doing that methodology and breaking the industry down, looking at the opportunity uh, is very important. Uh, you can use, uh, the, use the data that you can find about how many people go to public school in those two counties that we discussed and how many are boys and girls. You should be able to find that kind of information online uh, through some of these public sources. And we'll talk about some of those as well. Based on pieces of information that you were able to find and weave together, a bit of a scavenger hunt needs to be logical and systematic, needs to be believable and conservative. It can't be outlandish, like, hey, we're going to capture 100% of this market and we're going to sell them two backpacks in one year. Like, why would they need to? It needs to be believable and conservative based on realistic assumptions. Uh, ain't exact, but one can base decisions on it. So it just gives a general idea. And if it's believable and it's it seems logical, would it be logical that there are 35 students in public schools in the Pinecrest and Palmetto Bay. No, it's not logical. What, what do you mean 35? I mean 35,000, even 35,000. You're like, I think there's maybe a little bit more than that uh, or maybe less. I'm not sure. I haven't done that research. What about the buyer? Okay, so who buys in this industry? How do they buy? When do they buy? Why do they buy? Uh, what are they buying? And where are they buying from? Are they coming to a retail store? Are they doing it online? Are they doing it over the phone? And, and who is actually the buyer? So for instance, in, in the pool industry, we, a lot of times we would work for property managers where the homeowner would hire a property manager because they have a vacation home and the homeowner isn't there uh, one third of the year or two thirds of the year. And their property manager is really the buyer. So our customer is the homeowner. They're the one paying the bills, but the property manager is the one making the decisions. So we have to know that. And that's very important to know when we start branding and when we start marketing and we start communicating to our customers is ultimately, if we don't talk to the property managers, if we just leave them out of the equation, we're missing out on a key decision maker. And it's important that we understand that. Descriptors of the market, uh, who we talked about this, the demographics, the psychographics, the social patterns, the usage patterns. These are all relevant concepts to understand when we're thinking about the industry and we're starting to segment the industry down to the actual buyer of who are these people, developing that profile. We'll talk about that more in the, the marketing and communications. But you can garner some of this from the industry. 
analysis. I mean, you just think about these outlandish outlier industries like the airlines industry. It's so important to understand who travels and why do they travel and what are their typical age ranges? Because when we start marketing to them, we have to know these things. And the industry reports and industry analysis will typically tell you some of that uh, basic information. Also, who are the major players uh, in this industry? We talked a lot about that. Social patterns, uh, other side of who buys gatekeepers, that would be like the property manager we talked about. Influencers, uh, neighbors, next door neighbors, uh, people, friends and family, uh, major celebrities that are advocating for this particular product, who actually decides, who actually buys, and who's the user. A lot of times when I was meeting with people, uh, potential customers, and I was meeting with the husband, I would ask, I would request, well, can your wife um, meet with me too, meet with us too, so that we can talk together? Because a lot of times you're selling to the husband, the husband says, I'm good, I want it. But then when he talks to his wife about it, the wife says, wait a minute, I don't want that. So the reality, the ultimate decision maker is the, the wife, even though maybe the husband is the one that handles the finances and writes the check and gives me the money, but the wife is the one making the decision. And that's just an example of how we should understand that uh, in that process. The buying process, need recognition, information search, alternative evaluation, purchase decision-making, post-purchase evaluation. This is getting a little bit away from the industry and more towards the market and the targeting. But these things are important to understand. Of, For instance, the industry should tell you or the reality of the industry with the revenue and the profit margins of the, the life cycle of a customer. Or uh, for instance, in the pool construction industry, it would take almost a year to work with them through this buying process in order for them to actually say yes and give us a deposit on a, on a pool. And what the industry will tell you too is that there may be additional revenue drivers. For instance, there could be fees associated with uh, creating a, uh, a consultation for a project. You could charge a customer that and the industry will the industry report will explain to you some of the best practices that most people are doing within that space to mitigate some of these time wasting uh, around the buying process aspects post-purchase evaluation length stages developments within stages uh, types of purchase low involvement um, i want to cut my tree down it's hanging on a electric line and it clearly needs to be cut down i'm not really going to get too involved in this decision making process do you have a chainsaw do you have a chipper can you cut my tree yes okay cool uh medium involvement okay i'm thinking about purchasing adobe uh software and i have the free version uh is that good enough you know maybe i should get the better version and i'm going to think about it a little bit might do some research on it it's not just an immediate decision uh, it, it involves a little bit of evaluation of alternatives or a high involvement. I'm thinking about buying a home. I'm thinking about buying a business. I'm thinking about attending a college. These are big decisions that that will likely uh, be talked about in the industry reports of how these consumers typically operate and what the general gist is of, of this environment of high involvement, low involvement, medium involvement, the types of purchases. Segmentation is everything. We talked about that. The logic of segmentation uh, can't be all things to all people. If you look at the pool industry we talked about, there was something along the lines of $7.8 billion in revenue. So we have to think, all right, well, is everybody doing the same thing in this space? Uh, or is this is this revenue coming from different sources and different people? And is there specialties? Are there high-end pool service providers versus the people that just splash and dash? They just come and clean my pool and go. I don't really care too much about who they are and what's going on uh, versus they need to walk through my house every single time they, they take care of my pool because we have a gated backyard and they need to be trustworthy and I'm willing to pay more for that. So you just 
have to know what part of that some $8 billion are you going to go after? And how are you going to do that? Hom homogeneity, homogeneity is, um, we'll talk about that next time, efficiency and effectiveness with your limited resources. The 80-20 rule, a lot of times the, you know, 80% of your business will come from 20% of the industry or the customers or 20% um, of the people. So say you have 100 customers and uh, really 20% of them, the bulk of them, of the money that's coming in is going to come from 20% of it. It's just a 80-20 rule. That's kind of the gist of it that's used in a lot of different scenarios. The rifle compared to the shotgun approach. The rifle is when you shoot a rifle, you think about it, it's got a buckshot and it shoots uh, in a big wide range where it can hit the um, the shells or the, the frisbee or whatever you throw up there a little bit better. Whereas so you're, you're shooting at a lot of different things, a lot of customers, a lot of different uh, thoughts, a lot of that. You're not really unique is what that is supposed to allude to that analogy versus the rifle is, you know, exactly who you're shooting for. You have a target, you aim, you try to hit a unique spot um, so that it's more effective and you want to have a kill shot. Whereas a, a shotgun from 100 meters isn't probably going to kill a big deer, but a rifle will. There are no universal segments. Not, you can't be everything to everyone is really what that's saying. Uh, basis of segmentation, get creative and insightful. We'll talk more about this in the marketing section. I just wanted to kind of put this in here as you read the industry report, start thinking about these kinds of things, targeting, which segments are we prioritizing? How is this manifested in resource allocation? The um, industry report that, or the snapshot that I talked about with the uh, people that are consolidating the pool industry, uh, they're pretty clear that they're focused on maintenance. It says right here, maintenance focused. They want one uh, $100 million a year in revenue, at least, is the, the companies that they're looking for and at least three technicians. And they, they want to stay focused on maintenance. And they're looking for a particular, it looked like a, um, I think there was a, another section that talked about the earning capacity of customers that are that likely have a hundred thousand dollars or above above in discretionary income or household income each year so they're targeting and segmenting a little bit and what they're doing okay so wrapping up uh, a completed industry analysis may require changes obviously as you go through this process you're thinking about your business and you're thinking about well what does this information tell me uh, it could change the way that you start and launch your business. It could change your mission statement. It could change your vision of success in the future. It could, could change your organizational structure based on what you learned and the phases of competitive development when we start talking about the customers. It's so important to understand in this industry, what do customers typically do? Who buys? And then we talked about the vendors and um, the overhead. And we talked about the sources of revenue. If you can see what has been done historically and what is being done in this space and the industry, it'll give you a lot of insight into launching and starting uh, your business and writing the business plan and creating what would be a competitive, uh, repeatable business model in this space. So thank you for listening, everybody. And uh, hopefully this helps.